Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper Than Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. Uh, This past Sunday... Okay, let me just let the cat out of the bag. It's Wednesday. It's the Wednesday before Sunday. We haven't even preached the passage yet, but due to scheduling um, and a special guest, we wanted to record early. So we are here. Uh, Jesse will be talking about Acts 11, 1 through 18. And Yinka, our special guest, uh, just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Hey, guys. uh, My name is Yinka, and born and raised in Nigeria, but then immigrated to Canada at a you know, young age, then eventually got myself to the States. I'm a world traveler, so kind of now based around different places, Canada, Bali. Yeah, I'm a digital nomad and spiritual entrepreneur, as P. Scott would always call it. P. Scott, yeah, that's uh, Pastor Scott. Um, tell us about your involvement with Grace, um, how you found us, and why you love it. Yeah, so I found Grace when I first moved to San Diego back in 2018 after college. I moved out to California for my first professional career as an engineer, and I already searched churches. So I came to Grace my first time, loved it, checked out other few churches around like maybe six, seven churches in San Diego, but I knew like my heart was at Grace. Grace was just, it felt like home, and it still does feel like home. Every time I come back to San Diego, I'm here at least once or twice a year, I'm always back at home. So I miss it, doesn't matter where I'm at, like it just has this home presence. And yeah, that's, you know, I was involved here in different um, parts and I was able to serve, but I was very happy with the opportunity given to me here at Grace as well. That's awesome. Thank you for being here, Jesse. Anything you wanna say about yourself? Uh, No, I'm excited to talk about this passage. (laughs) Awesome, us too. Okay, so I think I've set our uh, goal for ourselves today and that is if we can define how can a christian be an ally in a world where there are majorities and minorities whether it be a uh, racial majority uh, socioeconomic all the different uh, camps that we can find ourselves in how can we be an ally to those on the outside does that sound doable yes all right, Love it. let's try it but first let's roll the theme song We're back. Jesse, uh, as we mentioned, Acts 11, 1 through 18, what happens? Yeah, uh, three quarters of the 18 verses is Peter retelling what happened in Acts chapter 10. So the reason he's retelling the story is because he wanders back to Jerusalem and there are Christian uh, Jews, they're called the circumcised, who um, approach Peter and it says that they criticize him to his face because they had heard reports that he went into a Gentile's house and had the audacity to eat with them. One uh, commentator says to share an intimate space with these Gentiles, uncircumcised people. So this is the, sorry for interrupting, this is the first time that it's not uh, the disciples versus the old guard of the Sanhedrin. Hmm. This is, it seems like it's the first time where the Christian, the Christ followers, yes. they have powers at be yeah. that are saying, hey, Peter, we need to check you on this. Yeah, it's not totally clear from the text, but commentators uh, do believe that these are some of the key Christian 
leaders, the early church leadership of the church in Jerusalem. So in Acts chapter 15, we see James is like one of the top leaders and there's a whole council about uh, Jew and Gentile reconciliation. And, and it, it probably is the case that these are them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the criticism that's that, then Peter launches into retelling the story. And then at the very end of the story, the last couple verses, uh, this, uh, these Christian circumcised leaders, uh, are like, wow, mind blown. God is moving amongst them. Mm -hmm. We need to change. Uh, and then they celebrate and then it's over. So last week, uh, on the podcast and during the message, we focused around racial reconciliation or okay. uh, sup- superiority, I should mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Uh, around the idea of race. Do you think it's appropriate to continue that conversation or is there a bigger conversation that we need to have seeing that the scripture is about Jews and Gentiles? Yeah, I think that God wants to do a work of transformation in us personally. Mm-hmm. And then God wants us to bring the good news of the gospel. And last Sunday, Josh talked about how the gospel has lots of different application in real life and how God wants to bring that transformation of the gospel that has happened in us in this situation among people groups or uh, different cultures and bring that transformation and good news to others through us. And that's kind of the next phase. Awesome. Yinka, as somebody who has traveled the world, Mm -hmm. born in Nigeria, lived in the u.s has uh you were here during 2020 and and floyd and blm and all that uh you have read the passage recently do you feel like where do you feel like the passage speaks to you like what is the what's on your heart when you read it yeah so when i read it i think of course the first thing you think about is racial injustice right like it's a group of people treating a certain group of others a certain way because of just how either they were brought up, how do I thought, I mean, like taught how things just happen. Like, so you come back into the church or you come back into like the U S for instance, in applicable terms, it's like, we say it like in this situation, black versus whites, it's not just black versus whites, but what, you know, whites against minorities and all these different things. And for me, how I see it applicable is like Josh said, it all goes back to the gospel. There's a sin problem here. I think that we all have and regardless of if it's they're trying to paint as it's more white versus black whatever it is so I think where the scripture really becomes applicable to us is how can this truly transform our lives how can we be better Christians and doing things differently than how we've always done things right like for a lot of us probably for instance maybe here at Grace you can look around how many minorities are there. Of course, it's growing numbers since 2020. And every time I come back, it's definitely a lot more. Because uh, I remember at the time, it was probably just you know a handful of us out there in terms of at least black people. Me, Jeremiah, um, a few people. There was not that many of us, you know. So now it's great to see more diversity. So, of course, things are being done in a you know better way. I think... Also, we're not trying to say that oh, the numbers just have to increase. Like, there has to just be more black people or more minorities. No, definitely not. But at the same time, it's just when you think about heaven, what heaven looks like, 
heaven is going to be a place with different diverse tongues it talks about in revelations right where there's going to be different tongues of people different cultures different colors and just like pastor um josh said last week he said we should not you know not be blind to the color but more accepting and seeing the color and actually celebrating it so that's how i think it should you know that's how the scripture to me this is how this is the kind of stuff it does to my mind i think no that's great jesse as a pastor uh, i love yinka brought up the idea of just it's not just the numbers of minorities that come to our church if we're applying what peter has heard from god going to eat with the gentiles opening up faith to all nations and all people how do, how do you see the role of the local church in uh, being diverse? What, yeah. what should that look like? Uh, I think the starting point is to um, recognize that this is God's heart and mm-hmm. this is a theological and biblical um, precedent, that this is not a cultural moment. This is not a political thing. This is um, the value of multi-ethnicity and racial reconciliation and ethnic identity, cross-cultural um, competency to be able to integrate the gospel into um, the vernacular of different people, groups, and cultures. All of those things um, are have really have nothing to do with politics. Mm-hmm. They have nothing to do with like the cultural moment that we're in, but it is deeply woven into the fabric of scripture, and I would say into the, the theological precedent of um of god of what god desires um for humanity and through the church um in our church age and so i would want to um invite christians to um to to reflect on our preconceived ideas Mm -hmm. of what we think of how we've been brought up and raised to view scripture and the church um evangelical church whatever that may be um and to gladly and joyfully um take a fresh look at scripture old and new um and uh begin to allow god's uh truth and vision for flourishing uh to to permeate our hearts and then that would that would move us to applying that um, in not just tokenism and stereotyping and trying to get numbers of mm-hmm. people in a room because that's just uh, that is what I think diversity tries to do is to try and hit the marks of certain numbers. Correct. But there's a much deeper uh, desire in the heart of God that the world just doesn't understand, and that's like in order for us to come together, we need to understand each other's history and stories. And that there's pain and trauma and 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 so we need to um, uh, recognize that and and be reconciled in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to uh, uh, so just a number of different steps that go into not just having appropriate numbers, but um, crossing cultures and being around people that are different is really hard mm-hmm. i want to be around people that are like me right. that talk like me and and are not too not too loud not too quiet but just like me right, right. and and it's hard to truly not just and not even have like a group of people that look different but actually believe the same things right mm-hmm. you can have people that look the same but actually believe different things and that's a different kind of Correct. diversity that brings a whole nother level of complication and so 
Um, that's a long answer to it's really not just about the numbers, but it's about identifying my biases, allowing the Lord to transform the way that I view people of difference, not seeing them as less than or dehumanizing them, but to understand who they are, where they come from, and allow my heart to have to make space in my heart for what who they are and what they bring to transform and change me. Yinka, can you put into words um, what it feels like to go to a church where your history and your personhood and your race and your culture are valued? And what does that look like? What I guess what I'm trying to get at is what is the what is the goal? Like our goal is to be a gospel-centered people, right? And if, if we truly are, then we will do those things. But what does that actually look like on the ground? Yes, I think with me being black, African, you know, whatever you want to call it, the first thing is you don't want to just, yeah, you stand out of, of course. Like I come to San Diego, there's not that many, like, yeah, there's diversity, but it's, it's all in little pockets. Like, you know, that's how San Diego is. It's not meshed together. Like if you go to other big cities, like if you go to New York, everyone kind of just like, it's a big diverse hub. Maybe even LA, for instance, it's, it's diverse together, but in San Diego, it's kind of in little pockets. And when, you know, I first stepped into grace, yeah, of course, I stood out like this. You know, you see that. He just put his thumb up. I think he was saying like a sore thumb. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Sorry, they can't see me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not a video podcast. But yeah, but because of that, you don't want people always like, people always constantly looking at you in a very weird way or who's this guy? Rather, you want it to be, and this is something that was great in Grace. Welcoming, homie, people opening up their arms, regardless of the racial differences, right? Like people actually wanting to know who you are as an individual, like more than just, oh, let me have that one black friend, you know, because like that's something that a lot of people do. Like it's like, hey, you know, when it comes to like all this racial stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, I have, I have that one black friend. N- no, you know, we need to we need to cut that out. Like, actually get to know people for who they are outside of just, like, for their, like, you know, their skin color or whatever. Like, genuinely press into real relationships. That was what our Lord Jesus Christ did. He pressed into relationships, right? Like, we could see with the woman at the, at the well. Like, we see throughout different scriptures where Jesus literally did things outside of the norm. So that's, I think that's something that I feel that was really done well here at Grace, at least a lot of the relationships I was able to build, was people actually wanting to know who is Yinks, who is Yinka? Like, you know, who's this guy? Sure, he's Nigerian, sure, he's black, sure, he's whatever, but what is it about this person? And I think that was able to help me feel more at home, right? And imagine that that was just me. And then think about how many times I've been able to either tell other people about grace or I've been able to like spread that message onto other people, how that actually moves on to other places, right? Now, okay, I traveled throughout the world. If I had a very bad experience here at grace, that could have affected a lot of things. Maybe how I viewed white people, how different things happen. Like, you know, when I travel, like I could have all these preconceived notions and, you know, beliefs, biases in my head. But when you have such a great, experience like people value people see you for who you are that moves on past like just like your skin color man it goes deep because you you feel loved you feel cared for again you feel like you're at home 
So that's how, you know, it means more in terms of like, than just like, oh, skin color, whatever. Yeah. Do you feel frustrated that you are invited on this podcast just because you're black to talk about this? Does it ever just get tiring? Like, man, I just wish I could be a person or is it important to you and you want to continue to talk about it? I think for me, it's it's very fine. You know, I'm a sociable person. I'm someone that love to. First of all, I was asked. I could have said no, so I had the op- opportunity to say no. But clearly, it's something that's dear to my heart. It's something that I think needs to be talked about more. For a lot of probably black people, I think it does get frustrating because it's like we have to be the one to educate people. We have to be the one to constantly keep doing this and that and blah blah blah. So I think people get to the point where they're kind of frustrated and they're like. Uh, let all these people just learn about how to just like deal with minorities at some point. But I think it takes two, you know, to tangle or whatever. Like, so it, it takes two, like both parties have to actually meet up at some point in the middle, right? To be able to understand better, to be able to also see how we, like what is the next steps? What are the things that we're trying to change? What are we trying to do? How do we actually implement this gospel that we're reading into like our actual world, right? Because we could read all these gospels and we could talk about it so great, amazing. But how do you actually make this transform your life and how does this become applicable to us as Christians? Because I'm sure a lot of people deal with minorities being in San Diego. Again, there's minorities, lots. So how do you actually look beyond your lens, beyond what you've already been programmed to doing and moving on. So I think this kind of conversation for me personally is great. Um, sorry, it's a long answer, but that it has to be had. These conversations have to be had at some point yeah. and has to be continuous as well. That's great. I love that you said we have to get past what we were programmed, which brings us back to the scripture. If anybody was programmed to hate Gentiles, it was the Jews. Absolutely. Right? And what I love about this passage um, is there is not... There, there's a lot of passages in the New Testament where it's just Paul writing to a church and we just have to trust that the Holy Spirit was talking to him and he wrote it down right and we got to trust him. But in this case, God speaks directly to Peter. There Correct. is absolutely no doubt this is the heart of God. Um, so then, Jesse, since we know that this is the heart of God and Peter goes, what, what, what does that mean? How does that change how we... Um, apply the scripture to our lives knowing that it's straight from God's heart. I think it is really important to acknowledge that none of this would happen if it wasn't for the prompting of God. Mm -hmm. On Peter's own, he would have remained in Joppa and he would have never entered into a Gentile's house and eaten that food. Mm -hmm. This is God's prompting. And I think, you know, Peter watched Jesus cross barriers for years. Mm -hmm. He saw he heard Jesus in Mark 7 say, all food is clean. Like, Peter has no excuse. And I, he, but God is, but God is still showing him, Peter, you have things to learn. You still exactly. have this prejudice. You're prejudging and you have this bias, this racial bias in your heart. And I, wherever you're at right now, I want to help you have more of my heart for people. Mm. And so if Peter with all that he did and experienced with Jesus ha- still has more to learn and grow in. How can we as Christians be like, I've, you know, I've got it all figured out. We right. need to come and say, God, like show me more of your heart. I have similar things that they do. Um, and, and I love how Paul, um, 
in first Corinthians chapter eight, he talks about how he becomes all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Um, to the Jew, he becomes like the Jew and to the Gentile, he becomes like the Gentile. And, and, in that, Paul is identifying there are different people groups and there are different cultures within those people groups. There are different kind of Jews. There are Herodians and there are uh, Pharisees and there are different sects within within the Jewish people groups. Just like within the United States, there's progressives and conservatives or whatever. Like, And then the Gentiles, there's so many different kinds of Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And Paul is saying, he's not saying, I treat everybody the same. Correct. He is saying, I am identifying that there are different people groups and cultures within those people groups. And I am going to take on the responsibility to understand who who they are, where Mm -hmm. they're coming from, what their values are. And I'm going to understand those things and become like them. I'm going to eat like them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to celebrate their traditions. And we see Paul doing that. Timothy, I'm pretty sure it's Timothy, gets circumcised. Mm-hmm. As an adult? As an adult yes. <laughs> to reach the Jews. That is not necessary. But do you, Paul willingly... Do you think he did, willingly, it, in, think he did it in private? Or I have no idea. <laughs> like but Paul willingly 6 PM, does <laughs> things that are unnecessary. He, ta- he takes on the responsibility to humble himself mm. and to learn the ways of other people and to value those things so that he can speak their vernacular and their language and value them and not to not to um, colonize them and not to remove their culture, but to allow the gospel to be contextualized um, within their culture. Does that make right. sense? Very much. Yeah. Where I'm kind of going with that. It makes me think of we've got a team currently in Peru. We don't go to Peru and say, okay, forget everything you've learned about your culture. We have Christ. We're going to bring him to you. No, we step in and we look around and say, where is God in this village? Correct. Um, So, yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, The other thing that strikes me about this passage is that, now, we live in a different culture, but I think it can apply to us. Peter ate a meal with the people, and that was a huge deal to sit down and to eat and to converse and to get to know each other. Get, this gets me to my original question. How do we come, become an ally? Is it just sitting down and eating a meal? Yinka, well, how, how would you want somebody to find out about you or to, to show God to you? I think, yeah, that's one way of it. But it encompasses way more than just sitting down and eating a meal. And I think when you think about sitting down to eat a meal, it takes a process to even get there. Right, because you're not just going to go sit down eating meal with a random stranger. So what does that involve? That involves you first taking a notice of someone and then approaching them, taking an action. So the scripture is living. It's action. Right. So if the, the gospel is in us, is in our heart, the gospel is not dead. The, the, the gospel is a life. So that means we have to take action that this gospel is already... Because if we're being transformed by the gospel, reading these scriptures and we're doing all these things, we have to make sure that we're taking that action, that we're taking that leap, that we're moving in. Yeah, you can't, it's called a leap of faith, right? You don't know what's going to happen, but you take that next step to approach this person with a welcoming hand, welcoming heart, open it up, showing like, you know, trying to want to bridge a gap. Just think about there's a gap, like... They're there, you're here. How do I bridge this gap between this person and I? 
and then build true relationship with these people, right? You know, maybe invite them to your house, invite them, or maybe just start with coffee, right? Like, so maybe Jesse, the first time he saw me, whatever, he just opened up, you know, hey, I'm Pastor Jesse, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, you know what? Can we grab coffee this week? Something like that. That's as little as it is, right? Because this is our society today in, in, the, in, in America, right? In the States. So everyone's so busy. So it's probably even hard to even get coffee sometimes. But something that little, right? Get coffee. Maybe invite them to your game night or something. Invite them to your connect group, your home church, your house church, whatever it is. Like invite them to little things like that so that they feel welcomed. Then start building the relationship. Actually take notice, take notice of them. Also, big thing is names remember people's names like if you suck with names honestly write their names down someone like myself that has a name like yinka everyone's like oh wow it's so hard well guess what ryan's also hard for me like has anyone ever thought about that that i'm coming from a society where i don't hear names like ryan and like george and stuff like that and like that could also be really hard for someone like myself like don't just put it back on the other minority person that oh yeah you have a very complicated name. how about you say wow very unique name never heard that before I'll write it down or something so I can remember that. Like, Yinka, so easy. How do you spell it? Oh, like Inca tribes. Oh, connect something to it. Like, so that that way you actually, because people's names are really, really important. I know some people suck at names. Please do better, to be honest. It sucks when people don't remember names. And if you don't remember the name, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. Ask them again. Hey, I married the other time. I forgot your name. What's your name again? They're not going to kill you, right? So... That way, like, you start to build an actual relationship with them, right? You're getting to know this person. Eventually, you get to that table where you're having a meal with them. Because this is all the process just to get down to sit, sit down and have a meal with them. It takes a process to actually invite someone into your house to have a meal. It's a gradual process for, because someone else has, the person like, say me, I have to trust you to walk into your house. You know, so not to go to strangers' places or take anything from strangers. I don't know if the person wants to kill me or what they want to do with me, right? So I'm not going to just go to your house first, but we have to build trust. We have to build that rapport. That's what I see. So good. So good. Um, as I listen to Acts 10 and the first of 11, I think to myself, um, for most people in the United States, this is just low-hanging fruit. Of course, no one would admit I am a racist. I don't think that God is for black people or I don't think God is for homosexuals mm -hmm. or fat people or mm -hmm. people who like friends, the show, you know, <laughs> like these are ridiculous claims, right? Mm -hmm. I think we would all be shaking our head in agreement. Yes, it's for everybody, but are there things that we are blind to about ourselves we, where we are not allowing, as Josh said, the gospel to be reminded of the gospel again? Wow. What what are those things that we can check ourselves on, um, and how do you do it? Yeah, I um, it's a great question and setup. I think you it goes from intentionally building relationships with people of difference, um, and sitting down and around a table like Yinka was saying, um, and then giving each other a. Um, uh, giving each other permission to share things honestly, to share your story mm -hmm. um, honestly. So a couple examples come to mind of people that are different from me. Um, I had a boss years ago. Her name was Dora Yu, an Asian American woman. And she is a an amazingly powerful, uh, strong Christian leader in the church. Um, and I'll never forget we were at a rental car place and the person 
who was going to rent us the car continued to look at me and look to me to like pay for the car Mm -hmm. and to like, what kind of car do you want? And Dora was my, is, was my boss and the one that was paying for it. And I didn't even recognize it. But afterwards, Dora was like, she, I had, we had had these conversations and I Mm -hmm. gave her permission to share with me, to help me see things that I don't see, Mm -hmm. which is essentially what you're asking. I think Jeff. And so she shared with me, Jesse, did you notice how that guy didn't look at me? And did you notice how he kept looking to you for the answers and for and for paying for the car? And I was like, no. But now that she's mentioned it, totally. Um, and it, another example is I've I've talked to a few a number of different women from our church that they've shared when there's couples or even like a pastor talking at church, they will only talk to or shake hands with or address and acknowledge the man mm-hmm. and will never even acknowledge the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and women have shared that with me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't even never even saw that. But now that you're s- helping me see that I'm realizing I do that. Sometimes I mm-hmm. only talk to the guy and I'm not addressing the woman mm-hmm. um, or inviting the woman to share or like around a table where you have certain people will, who will only talk and then other people who aren't talking and I'm like, what is going on there? Right. And to understand, like, help me understand what's well, happening yeah. here. And so I think uh, um, stepping back, building those relationships with people that are willing to share their story and their experiences and then making space to um, uh, to use my privilege Mm-hmm. my majority position because I think mm-hmm. I am fine with using the words privilege and majority because they're neutral words um, as soon as I go to Guatemala I'm a minority mm-hmm. it just so happens I'm a majority here but Correct. as soon as I go there I'm a minority <laughs> you know like Correct. I have certain privileges as a as a, as a majority person here Correct. but I'll have but I won't have those privileges in a different place but it just so happens I have them here right but I need to see those privileges and not be ashamed of them, but to leverage them to help um, elevate um, people that don't have those privileges. Okay. But I, I can live my life, my entire life, and never see them unless I allow people who don't have those privileges to help me see them. And so I don't know if that answers your question. We can also go to sexual minorities because there's a number of people who have helped me see things and have helped me understand what that's like as well. And so lots of different spaces. Yeah. Yinka, this is not just a race issue, right? We can apply this to all differences, majority and minority. Piggybacking off what Jesse said, are there things that you can share that you have felt like when you were, you felt unseen or looked down upon or little small microaggressions? Um, Is there anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think also, before I share on that, I think adding on to what he said, um, to what Pastor Jesse said, is also looking at your circle, like especially your circle of influence, and see the types of people that you have around you, right? I think earlier when we were talking, it's a lot of times we try to hang out with just people that think like us, look like us, act like us, and we don't want to broaden our like horizons and our boundaries and it's important that we start to do that 
also when you see prejudice in front of you what do you actually do mm-hmm. for a lot of christians i think a lot of us are actually mute because we don't know how to approach it we're scared we're this we're like we get really really i don't people just it, it just becomes like a mute spot and i think that's where transformation truly happens when you're able to stand up against that mm-hmm. or also become more aware of this happening and then addressing it right And that's right what's there. happening with Peter. Exactly. He's advocating and addressing the, you know, the ethnic uh, exactly. uh, disparity. And he's speaking to it. And it's On transforming the spot. him. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's when you start to know that, oh, wow, the gospel is now starting to transform in me. It's starting to live in me. I'm starting to become that gospel, right? So then you asked me the question about uh, microaggressions and stuff. I think... For me, I've been exposed to like, especially moving to Canada at a young age at 13, I've pretty much been exposed to a lot of like, you know, white people from very young to the point that I just never really, people might try to hurt me, to be honest, and I've just never really looked at it that way. Maybe because I'm African, I've just been taught, like, I remember there was a time they said, even if someone calls you a monkey, like, just cover it up or like just pretend that you didn't even hear it so to the point where you almost become immune to these things eventually it does come out like eventually you will the pain and all the hurt eventually comes out mine came out during 2020 during the whole black lives matter movement but what i've learned was let god just take control of everything because hurt people hurt people that's just the truth and in order for you know Jesus was a light here in a dark world. The world is dark. It's not easy to be a Christian. Doesn't matter of what your skin color is, white or black. The moment you decide that you're a follower of Christ, you're gonna get a lot of criticism. You're gonna get a lot of people like coming against you, a lot of people. And that's something that you can use to check is if your life is so, if you call yourself a Christian and your life is just so comfortable and easy going and you don't get, I'm not saying that, oh, yeah, you're always going to be castigated or different things like that. No. But, you know, there's people that are literally dying for the gospel in other countries, literally. And so it's a privilege to be in the States or around the Western countries where people are not dying for the gospel. But still, a lot of people don't agree with the gospel. You know, there's a lot of clash. So if that's not happening in your life, like, so that just applies to, so that's, you know, you're a minority in that case, really. The moment you become a Christian, you are a minority in in a sense, and people, you start to actually start to understand how it feels like to be a minority, really, if you think deep into it. Yeah. So all those microaggressions and all those things, you just let God really deal with it. Mm. That's so good. Thank you, uh, Yinka, for sharing. It, it reminds me, we hit on this last week, um, and I think it still applies this week, is that um, we as Gentiles, we're, we're Gentiles. We were Cornelius. We mm-hmm. still are Cornelius. And uh, the church brought us in because that's God's vision, right? Correct. Of, of all people being a part of God's family. So then should that not change the way that we view other people now? That it, it, re- it releases us from superiority because we are all enemies of God. We all have fallen short of the gospel and mm-hmm. we need the gospel again to rejuvenate us so how can we let that sink in and change our action and our view towards other people knowing that we don't deserve any of this grace Mm. 
I think it should certainly humble us. Mm-hmm. Um, it should certainly um, address our superiority that I need to look to Jesus and realize I have been forgiven when I don't deserve it. I have, I have experienced grace and I've experienced the patience of God in my transformation. And so I am mandated to apply those things to others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, when I look at God and what he has created in the 10,000 different butterflies that mm-hmm. he has made, that why would I expect God to just create people in my image mm-hmm. <laughs> or that look like me. And if all I want to do is be around people like me, I'm going to have a very um, narrow view of God and the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I begin to understand the incredible creative work of God in the world, I will only be able to see it when I humble myself and want to see it. And so if I allow the Lord to give me a teachable spirit um, to see the differences and to embrace the differences, I will see a much more grand picture of God and the church and humanity. Um, And I'm not just talking about eating different kinds of food, (laughs) but I'm, I'm truly talking about understanding how I can worship God in fundamentally different kinds of ways, in the ways that people from all over the world worship and experience God, um, will dramatically expand how I talk and walk and and worship God. So I don't know if that... It did, it did. And okay, so I've got one more question, and this is the hardest question. Historically, Gentiles were not included in the family of God. These passages show us that they absolutely are. What do we do with the time before when they were set apart? How, what does reconciliation actually look like? Are the minorities who have been mistreated, let's bring this to the United States, slavery, redlining, Jim Crow, etc., go <laughs> on and on and on and on. Are those people expected to say, hey, I'm under the gospel, complete forgiveness? We're done. Jesus forgave me, so I'm going to forgive people who have uh, wronged me. Or is there justice, and is that in the hands of the people who were the oppressors? Obviously, none of us have owned slaves, right? Correct. It was made illegal, right? Right. It was our ancestors who did that. Um, But there are microaggressions, systems that we're a part of, and this is a huge debate. So I'm just speaking in generalities. How do we truly reconcile when there has been real pain caused by the church, the Big C Church, and Jeff, me. I grew up in a small town in Indiana. I have no doubt that I said things and did things that are absolutely deplorable. Um, What do we do now, moving forward? We all agree that everybody's under Christ, Mm -hmm. but how do we reconcile? How do we move forward? Wow. I think, wow, it's a big answer. And I think it's not, I mean, big question, sorry. And I think not one answer could, I mean, like, there's tons of things we could say, right, that could give you multiple answers. Everyone's different, depending on the situation they're in. 
But I think it starts with it's a lot of things, awareness, um, education, educating yourself. Like yes, you have the gospel in you. Educate yourself about the past, now, what's going on. How can you also be involved? How can you listen to people? How can you? What kind of actual impact can you make? into someone's life. So for a lot of us, we're not going to be able to change like natural rules and laws and stuff. So what we can do is going to be something very little in terms of our influence circle. So remember when I said, look into your circle and your circle of influence, the people that you have. If you can educate people enough in those circles, if you can help transform or if you can live out something different and everyone starts to see what you're doing, you start to make a little influence in your little circle. That little circle, they also have their own circle of influences that expands. And that just becomes a domino effect that keeps going out and keeps going out and keeps going on and on. And eventually, like we're not saying we're gonna eradicate racism and all that kind of stuff, no. But significantly, we will be at a much better place. Like today, I would say we're at a much better place than we were 50 years ago. Right, because for instance, I have freedom to be able to talk and to be able to interact with you guys. Cause maybe fifty or sixty plus years ago, probably wouldn't have had the same opportunity to do this. So thank God for where we are. We can always dwell on the past, and like I said earlier, this is all because of a sin issue. And for us to be able to eradicate that sin issue, it's the gospel. And so it's truly living out that gospel unconditionally, unashamed. And letting people actually see it, like standing firm for the gospel, standing for love, standing for like the right thing, like caring for people of all nations, of all tribes, of all whatever it is, truly, genuinely caring about them, showing them the way, the truth and the life through the gospel somehow, because ultimately the gospel is the only thing that's going to save. It's the only thing that's like really the solution to all of these things that we, because we can keep talking about hashtag black lives matter, hashtag all lives matter, hashtag whatever the heck matters. That's not gonna, remember we did the black squares and all that stuff. Where did I end up, what did I end up doing? Now, what, two, three years later, do people even, it's just, that was just for social media, whatever. The truth is, is the gospel. How can each and every one of us actually let the gospel impact our lives, transform our lives, and then how that goes in to actual people's lives, I think is truly the solution that I see today. Yeah. I hear that a lot, that only the gospel can save us from these, this present evil age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can we speak to what does the gospel actually look like? Could you say, I am living out the gospel by going to a BLM march? Mm-hmm. Or I am living out the gospel by fill in the blank of all the social justice things? Mm-hmm. I, I guess I just want to clarify the list for the listeners, and maybe I'm wrong. Are we saying we leave all that to the side? That's for the world. We're going to just apply the gospel. If that's the case, what is the go- applying mm-hmm. the gospel actually look like on the ground do we march do we fly flags what's the what's the answer uh true all transparency i brought my two older boys to um a black lives matter march in 2021 or something like that Mm -hmm. uh and we held up a sign uh i think it said something about loving all people but uh essentially i wanted i'm training my children to uh, discern what's good 
and lovely and what is broken and dark. And they were both Mm -hmm. um, in the moment um, as they were chanting, no justice, no peace, no, um, no racist police. Um, I can agree with that Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. And I encourage my boys to, to, um, to participate in that Mm -hmm. in some of the, as the speeches were happening before the march, they would stop and do other speeches. Um, I would tell them, yeah, that's not the gospel. That's brokenness. That's in what they're saying. Um, and so I think none of the, don't expect politicians or, or sociologists that are teaching in your social 101 class (laughs) or your anthropology class at UCSD. Don't expect them to know how to do this. Correct. They do not. Mm-hmm. They are giving their best attempts to create world peace and global harmony and all of these things. And what they're doing is causing more division and more hurt and more polarization. So the gospel, as Yinka was saying, met many different applications to it that we can participate in um, things like you know Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela and... Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who wrote Life of the Beloved, who went against Hitler, what is his name? Bonhoeffer. B- Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And absolutely, there are times and places for Christians to take a stand publicly Correct. for sin. Um, but I, I'll just end with this. When the people of God can not let politics um, or the cultural moment take our minds captive, but we are deeply um, embedded into the particulars of the Bible and the gospel that speak to this particular issue that we're talking about, and there's many more. And we live this out as a community of believers in a localized church. That is a witness to the world of the gospel that will cause people to be open to Jesus. And I believe that we will see people become saved and fall in love with Jesus if we can do this because the world, in my opinion, sucks at it. (laughs) And so it's really on us to not just understand it, but to put it into practice. And that will be a powerful beacon of hope and light to a broken political, economic system. Um, and, uh, and it's, it becomes beautiful. And, yeah. and so Yinka, last word goes to you. I, th- I think, you know, you talked about this amazing, like when we could love one another, it starts with you as an individual. It starts with you understanding the gospel. It starts with you letting the, being allowed to let the gospel transform your life. But then, you know, a lot of times we see where, even in the church, we don't love one another within the church. Literally, like, people are fighting one another. So, you know, the gospel said, by the way we love one another, they will see us, the world will see us, and then they would want to be attracted to that love. So I think it starts within the home, within our church family, right? Inside the circle, then we're able to take that on out there into the world that's broken, because people are generally really broken. And the only thing that could fill that brokenness is the love of Christ, generally, really. I get to travel the world and 
wow, I get to just see so many broken people. And my heart aches a lot of times because one person can't solve, like, can't fix whatever, like, you know, so there's so much you could do. But more than just to say, God, I really pray like you could just transform their lives or like at some point they could just know you and get to encounter you and feel that true deep love. Whenever we start to do that, all this racial reconciliation, the different like entities that we're trying to just like reconcile, wow, it will, we would see a huge transformation. We would see people happy. We would see people be joyful again like we would see it the moment we bring back god into a lot of all these things we will see it the reason why we're seeing such a broken world is because boy like in schools god's been taken out so clearly like you know i come back to the states and i come back to the western world and i see all these different problems i'm like these are not problems we're literally creating problems into ourselves because clearly people are just bored or they just don't have actual problems when you go to other places where people are actually dying or people can't eat they can't figure out how to you don't think they're going to go to God. They are going to go to God. They will come and surrender and want to know how, because they need a way to get their next meal. But here, everyone's so comfortable. Everyone's so privileged that we forget that. We, What is God? God is a privilege at this point. Like, to know God is like a, wow, you know. So, man, this could go on. But honestly, once the gospel could transform your life, and really, the gospel is just Jesus. It's knowing Jesus, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's just, you know, letting the word really just renew you day in and out. Once we could do that and then live that out to other people, show love to see everyone out there as your brother and sister in Christ. That's how we should see them, really. Yeah, there's color, whatever, but literally just see them as your brother and sister in Christ. Once we could get that into our minds, Wow the rest is history so good. so good thank you guys for chatting about this i just i i think man if we could just be more like peter and hear mm. from god and obey and and do what god prompts us to do i think that's the answer is it's not a one-size-fits-all as you guys have been saying that it's we listen to god speaking in our own hearts and go and do likewise so thanks for chatting about this thank you very much guys i really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys so awesome. Yeah, guys, thank you for listening to if you guys have questions. Uh, I know this is a topic that can bring out a lot of emotion and or anger or confusion. Um, so we're open. Can I give one more? Uh, we talked about learning. Uh, I recommend a book. I was just rereading it this morning. It's called Becoming All Things by Reyes, R-E-Y-E-S. Uh, she's an Indian American woman and just wrote an amazing book on this. So anyways, I highly recommend it. Yeah, check that out. Um, also, email us, podcast at gracecity.com. DM us on Instagram. We would love to keep the conversation going offline and just try to make some progress in this, in this issue. So until next week, we will talk to you then. <laughs>